uh, Caitlin Gill, we Hi. watched the live action remake of Beauty and the Beast. What's one thing you liked about it? Oh man, uh, it, uh, I didn't give I didn't get as many willies as I thought I would. Oh, low willy count. Low willy count. Yeah. So you were going in with the pre-conceived uh, notion of high willies. I was pre-willied, but I was uh, I did not reach the willies level that I anticipated. Is it about the uh, was the, what were the willies you were expecting? Was it about the kidnapping? Uh, yeah. Oh, in general, yeah, the Stockholming the and the the weird, you know, yeah, the 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 odd work slave in your castle thing. I don't know a lot. It, there's a lot of red flags before you go in, but. Uh, <laughs> I think it's actually a great compliment for the movie is that it did, given that the source material was Stockholm Syndrome, creepy, uh, bestiality, all of that stuff. Right. Pretty low on the willies. If you're asking me uh, for a specific film detail, which is a better answer to the question, uh, for how gorgeous is that entire film was, because it is really well shot. Uh, I saw it in standard definite or in the like not 3D style. Right. I love how the ceiling of her room looks without. 3D. It's obviously uh, yeah. like they pan up to show you this luscious shot of the ceiling that was obviously only for 3D viewers because all you get in the standard is like gold stuff, I guess, with fuzzy blue in the background. It so, did seem like, was there just like gold ribbons hanging? What yeah. The, just it's like floating sentient in space. gold, yeah. I guess, that just hangs <laughs> out on the ceiling. I like this. I like the, the, the sentient gold on the ceiling. That was, I'll give that a like. Perfect. I also, yeah, you, you said standard definition, which I like the idea that you're watching this in like 480p. Yeah, I found a nice sweet 480p rip of this. <laughs> Watched it on my old tube TV. It was great. Bree, Bree Pruitt, you're next. What is your major compliment for Beauty and the Beast 2017? I didn't even see it coming for a second, but what I was so delighted by was the song, Tale As Old As Time. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. That song yeah. Yeah. is an amazing award-winning song that mm-hmm. I straight up did not know was going to be in the film. I did not <laughs> I did not know they were doing the songs because oh. in my mind that seemed ridiculous. <laughs> and guess what? It is it the is. way yeah. they cling to realism and still sing, but that song which is, you know, supposed to be a realistic dance scene, uh, yeah. you know, by uh, by Angela Lansbury, but then took me into the cover with Celine Dion and Peebo Bryson, which is a karaoke <laughs> classic, and uh, I loved it. And ballroom dancing. I love ballroom dancing. Here, The only weird thing about that is that Tale as Old as Time, uh, this is about a tale that was written in 1740, so it's got kind of a real young, young Earth vibe to it by <laughs> suggesting that time has only been around since 1740. <laughs> uh my my favorite moment of comedy in the whole film is uh, uh, well actually no the switch comments mid midstream my favorite thing is uh, this movie says a lot about like setting expectations low at the beginning of relationships so during her song about falling in love with him she says that there's something in him that's almost kind <laughs> and when you've established that you being almost kind is a major win in the relationship, you have done a good job of setting your, the other person's expectations of you low enough that you can constantly stumble across them. Yeah. It's a good way to approach life if you're going to be realistic <laughs> yeah. about it. Yeah. It's, Just it's keep... Disney's negging. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He, uh, he does some aggressive, like, vocal growl negging uh, that is uh, 
very uncomfortable. But and, uh, later, she's also from a small town in which people just walk by her and go, "You know, you're a real weird weirdo." <laughs> Every day when she goes anywhere. So maybe being like, hey, this guy's got a little bit of kindness in him. The second person <laughs> besides her father who hasn't called her odd to her face. Uh, That's that, fair. That was my favorite piece of unintentional comedy is when she first you. sees her dad and okay. he's like, uh, oh, what's wrong? He's like, do people call? She's like, do, they, do, they, do you think I'm weird? He's like, do people call you that? I wanted her to be like, not really cold as much as like <laughs> sung it at me as I... <laughs> Went to the l- shitty library in All the corner. morning, every morning. Man, there's something about her that we just don't like. Yeah, we know you can hear us. <laughs> Man, you know what? If I were her, I'd give up reading for sure. <laughs> uh, That's so actually... Anth- oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, we'll delve no. into this. I have, I have thoughts about that. <laughs> yeah, we'll come back to that. Anthony, uh, that leaves you. What's your major compliment? Uh, so... I've always so me and my fiance we go back and forth a lot about what has the better soundtrack, you know, the the better Alan Menken soundtrack, Aladdin or Beauty and the Beast. And I thought it was really you guys nice. You just sound like a fun couple, don't I, they? <laughs> I really thought uh, Alan Menken did us a real nice fa- favor by just uh, making the Beauty and the Beast soundtrack shittier, so that my argument yeah. wins. <laughs> By default, you know, because I've always thought like the Beauty and the Beast soundtrack was just like too good. What if you put some real stinkers in the middle, you know? <laughs> like, why don't, what if we just sort of took a knife and sort of just wedged in? What some, are the bombs, dude? Every new song in this movie. <laughs> I, I, I liked the I liked the one where Beast is looking out, which because we don't I hate calling him Beast because uh, he doesn't like it. But we never learn his name. So I can't be like when Larry is standing in the turret. <laughs> Wow, let's go with Larry. I like Larry. Yeah. Okay, good. So Larry, there's there's a new song where Larry is like right after she run leaves, and he talks about how she'll never, she'll never leave me even as she runs away or something, which is kind of creepy when I say it out loud. But um, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Do you think? <laughs> but I thought that song was kind of pretty. But most of the new ones are not yeah, great. That- no, that song's I, adorable until he talks about how he can always see her, always, no yeah, matter yeah. what. <laughs> she'll never, never yeah. escape his view. And Does I, he have a, you know, it's very Facebook. Like, it's very modern yeah. times. Like, yeah, you <laughs> can leave me, but is. I still have your Snapchat. Go ahead and try to block me. I already have 10 <laughs> egg avatars. Like, it, I just... I, I, I do like the fact that he was, like, walking around that crumbling castle with the thinnest walkways and the no safety rails. Not anywhere. Rail sight. Structurally unsound, too. They start yeah. collapsing real hard at the end. Yeah, well, was... 1740 or whatever. You can't. Yeah, that's true. There's no right. OSHA. <laughs> Good morning, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep. We are a uh, very, I think a pretty decent podcast right now about anything Emma Watson does. <laughs> we always have been and always will be. Uh, I'm Join really- us next week for the bling ring. <laughs> Uh, all right, maybe not everything. Uh, I'm your host, Alex Falcone. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex underscore Falcone. And I have an all-star panel today. First up, he's at Anthony Lopez Part 2 on Twitter, PT2. It's Mr. Anthony Lopez. Thanks for having me. i uh, looking forward to this. I, have, I, uh, I wish that this movie had gone with its original title. Uh, a lot of people don't know, but the uh, French title for this story is actually uh, Any Port in a Storm. <laughs> If, yeah, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. 
<laughs> well, I just mean, like, literally, just the first person that walks into the house in, like, 20 years and, like, oh, shit, this one may work, right? Right, and and, and her version is, like, uh, he's not as mean as the townsfolk, and I am stuck here, so I guess this will do. Literate. Uh, Check. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also joining us today at Bree Pruitt on Twitter, all one word, now in beautiful Los Angeles, California. It's Bree Pruitt. Yeah, Emma Watson teaching us about just kicking it with rich, ugly guys sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you just have to. Get comfortable, um, you know? He, uh, okay. Oh, man. Okay, I'll, I'll get back into this. I have so many more thoughts on that. Uh, but first, let's finish this up. Uh, our, our third mic today, fourth mic, uh, at Robot Caitlin on Twitter, also oh, in Los Angeles, California. It's Caitlin Gill. No one's neck is as incredibly thick as Gaston's. I don't know if anybody <laughs> observed. They picked a rather thin-necked actor to pull that off, but you know what? I bought it. Uh, but his expectorating was as expected. This is a very thick-necked movie. Uh, lots of strained strange veins and necks as people really try to sing, which is noble for actors to try to do. Always nice, yeah, to get those uh, single threats still getting jobs. <laughs> uh, so this is episode number 384 of the show. We have now done as many episodes as the number of a bunch of bills coming up for vote in uh, state legislatures this term, including Kentucky, HB 384, which increases mine safety by reducing the number of inspections every year. Oh. Also, New Hampshire, HB 384, which establishes oh. a committee to study ballot access. Yes. Mine, not mines, like underground mines, yes. not like... Mine safety and <laughs> mine head. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, Ohio Senate Bill 384, which allows state auditors to performance audit on higher education. California Senate Bill 384, which allows bars to stay open until 4 a.m. Fuck yeah. Sorry. I yeah. just got really excited about this. Good number. <laughs> wow. This is a good number of podcasts. I like this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really going to uh, get a lot more exciting between two and four. If Enable me. Enable <laughs> me. Enable me. Sorry. And. That's- my most exciting one, the Connecticut State Bill 384, uh, more frequent trains on the Waterbury line. That I'm as excited about that <laughs> as you are about bars. Yeah, you got $20,000 invested into that super pack, don't you, Alex? <laughs> Trying to push that one through? Oh, I just, oh, I have all these apartments I own along the Waterbury line. <laughs> anyway, speaking of things with similar names but very different feelings, this week... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Anthony. That might be the best one of these has ever landed. Oh, that tickled me. Uh, This week we're talking about Beauty and the Beast, the 2017 version, the live-action adaptation of the 1991 Disney animated classic. Uh, The first animated film to ever be nominated for Best Picture Oscar. Yeah. Beauty and the Beast, the original, um, which is itself an adaptation of the 1740 French fairy tale La Belle et la Bête. I am, however that was pronounced. There's a hat over the E, and I just don't know what that means. (laughs) Um, anyway, uh, which, uh, by the way, it turns out that story, um, is actually based upon, uh, a true story, supposedly, of Petrus Gonsalves, a, Gonsalvu, anyway, a French nobleman who suffered from hypertrichosis, which is an abnormally, uh, high hair growth all over the face. And uh, sometimes it's called werewolf syndrome because uh, scientists are also uh, school bullies. Oh, so (laughs) this is a story about a stigmatized person who has a disease. Got it. Yes. Okay. (laughs) But who married a a conventionally attractive woman. 
who the myth had been built around him that he was alone in an impenetrable castle and had been cursed by a lady with a rose. So yeah, yes. that's yeah. okay. Got it. Got it. All right. <laughs> Just a real yep. person. Just a real yep. person who can't shave fast enough. But no, he's a beast. He's uh, yep. Yeah, that's a magic castle, all right. He, even he Just because he's love. the first guy with Buck and Alexa, we have to assume that his castle's haunted. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Aladdin's just based off of Street Rat, who died alone and only his fleas mourned him. So they well, kind he's of... famous now, you know? Yeah, Sometimes they... you don't get it in your own time. Sometimes yeah, you gotta yeah. wait. Uh, more the, the fleas are not the only ones who mourn him now, because yeah. he got so famous. <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, so why we're watching this right now is because I went and saw this last weekend as a date movie, not for work. I just went to enjoy it, mm-hmm. and then I had too many feelings. And so <laughs> this is like a release valve instead of ruining my wife's evening every night this week was to talk to you guys about it. Um, her and I had slightly different opinions on the film, I think. We uh, might have different opinions on this film, Alex. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, yeah, we'll get to that in a second. But first, uh, let me just... Let's, let's summarize the film in case you don't uh, remember. And today's summary is brought to you by Common Sense Media, which I don't know much about and I could not tell from reading the, whether they're reliable. But here's what they, here's Common Sense Media's uh, synopsis of the film. Beauty and the Beast is Disney's live-action remake of classic 90, 1991 animated musical with Emma Watson as book-loving independent Belle and Dan Stevens as the Beast, who, for the rest of the show, whenever necessary, we will call Larry. Although the movie, although the movie will appeal to even younger viewers, especially those familiar with the original, the remake's violent sequels can be very intense with a few jump-worthy and upsetting moments, several involving snarling wolves that leave characters bloodied, injured, and in one case, dead. As always, the story encourages viewers to look beyond the superficial and be compassionate, curious, humble, and generous. Director Bill Condon took care to make sure that this vision has diverse supporting characters, including a gay LeFou, played by Josh Gad, Gaston's sidekick, who briefly dances with a man. <laughs> color not represented in the animated <laughs> version. So, uh, obviously, Common Sense Media is directed at parents, and I believe is directed at fundies. It seems like uh, yeah. fundamentalists. Uh, I'm assuming, although um, I do like that. Hey, it's not fundamentalism. It's just common sense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I do like, as always, they encourage the viewer to look past the superficial. Like literally every movie we've ever described is about looking past the superficial to be curious, humble, and generous. Anyway, so that's the film. Uh, let's do our feels dump. Let's get everybody on the same page. Find, well, let's find out what page everybody's on. I'm going to be on the same page. Um, I'll start. And that is, um, Megan and I watched the film together. She was completely enchanted, and I was expecting to be. I was thoroughly planning on loving this movie, and I did not entirely love it. But then I, the second time I saw it, I just watched it with Anthony, and I enjoyed it a little bit more than I had the first time, which is what happened to me when I watched La La Land with you. And so now I think maybe I just like movies better if you're in the room. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm like I'm a little bit emotionally confused. But I have some real issues with it. But I also did find it a little more enchanting the second time. Anthony, how did you find it? Um, I, I, I was not a fan. Uh, I thought this... Uh, maybe I sucked that out of you. Maybe yeah, I maybe got you took <laughs> Took your joy. Um... I, I'm a big fan of uh, Disney's, uh, most of Disney's work. I, and I even like the live action remakes that they've been doing the past few years. But I thought, like, this movie has everything it needs. I, 
I thought it was funny that um, Kaylin mentioned how, how beautiful the movie is. I thought I think it does look in some sequences gorgeous, but overall, I thought this movie just looked like dog shit. I, I thought like the editing was really really bad. Like it's it's all this like weird like moving eyeline stuff that doesn't work. This like weird cuts that make no sense. It's like people mentioning stuff in songs that you don't see till like two shots later. The color grading I thought was really bad. The pacing of the scene. I just, How was the lighting, Anthony? Not great. Not great. I mean, like, the lighting was okay. I mean, the thing is, like, it's a weird thing to get all technical about it. But I think, like, the other movies, if you're going to, like, do a live-action movie, like, I want to see, like, that money on the screen. And you get that yeah. in the end. But, like, especially that first village. Like, what, you guys just find an old backlot set and shoot this on? <laughs> Did you guys, like, this is, oh, it turns out we have this back lot from the 60s just hanging out here. Let's fucking throw it in. It just looked, the, ed- it's the editing in this movie is okay. so okay. bad. Okay, we'll come back to that. We'll, come back. we'll dive deeper on all of this. This is great. Uh, let's keep going around the circle. Brie. I have. Um, you told me ahead of time, is it okay if I hate this before you've seen it? <laughs> <laughs> and I said that, that would probably be okay. But so that was your expectation going in. What did you actually think? Okay. So I have a lot to say about the, here's what I think is happening. I, I totally agree with everything Anthony said. I thought it was slow. I thought it was, uh, you know, stilted. Like people aren't, there's no movement yeah. in the frame. And it's right. just this, these dead corpsey looking people. The <laughs> colors are all flat. And I have to tell you, I feel like there's this trend right now in Hollywood to call you know, and I, I don't mean to body shame, but like kind of small white women, interesting to look at when they're just not. Emma Watson doesn't do anything. She's a piece of driftwood and she just sits there on the screen. And I don't, uh, guys, I'm okay. so upset. And also okay. because I'm a, I love musical theater so much. And, the, and a lot of these songs are great, right? Gaston, that's a great song. It's a great ensemble piece. Yeah. You know, Be Our Guest, that's good stuff. Phenomenal. Um, yeah. You want dancing, you know, you want movement. Oh, even um, the the set, the reprise of um, of the opening song of, of oh, there she goes. Uh, what's that song? Uh, anyway, where she's like, tw- she should be twirling in the field like Sound of Music. I want to see these green rolling hills. And she's just a person standing there. And every song gr- they... On a, uh, on a green screen, too. Like, they couldn't even get it out on a real goddamn hill like that. Yeah. Exactly. And and they and every song they added to the show was also a, a, a dirge, something that someone sings standing in place. And so I think my implicit problem with this film is they are singing. They're breaking the realism, right? These aren't cartoon characters. They're people actually singing in space. But they think dancing is too weird. <laughs> that yeah. is the break from reality maybe that they are uncomfortable with. Single threat Emma Watson. Uh, maybe she didn't want to dance. And I actually, I want to stop right there because Just I... Just put people dancing around her. That's what I, is in yeah. the Disney film. Yeah, that is that is true. That is true. I just, <gasps> okay, it's important like, to me, though, that I don't say anything on this show that could hurt my chances with Emma Watson if we ever met. <laughs> is she on so, your backup list or whatever? Uh, your backup list, like if this, all, your marriage falls through, well, or yeah, I gotta go. Pass. You have all pass, pass. Yeah. No, no, it's definitely more the other way. It's like if Megan left me, I would, ha- I would, I would call Emma. <laughs> <laughs> I would see what she was up to. Just text her you up? Question mark. 
I don't want to say anything that would make Emma Watson mad at me uh, because I think she's terrific. But but Driftwood is not uh, is is not too harsh. I feel like she does underact throughout this whole movie. And I think I, par- part of it's because there's nothing real. She's just walking around green screens while um, a CG beast and candlestick are added to her life. So she's reacting pretty fairly to uh, the guy from Downton Abbey on stilts pretending to be a dog goat. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I Okay, wait. <laughs> just Sorry. a couple of things uh, yeah. real quick. So everything was CG'd? Almost everything. There's so yeah. much CG. And I... Yeah. We're, I, we're out of the uncanny valley, but we're in the like super distracting cliff, is what I would describe it as. Like we're coming out, but like where it just looks just distracting. Like the villa, like yeah, the hill was so distractingly CG'd to me. Um, almost every background is painted. The and the castle, obviously, like there's little bits of concrete they probably used, but so much of that is CG. And then of course, uh, the dog goat was not real. Like I was expecting Bill Conda Condor, Con- whatever his name Condon. is, the ju- Condon. The director of this to at least bring the kind of kinetic energy he brought to the final action scene of the last Twilight movie, and he didn't even deliver on that. He did like, deliver really cheesy-looking werewolves, though. Yeah, he did have that. Let's get let's finish the circle, Caitlin. Bef- I, you said we might have disagreeing positions. You know, I went into it with the lowest of expectations, and I think that most definitely helped. I actually did you not to be a little bit kind or almost kind. No, I mean, I was genuinely surprised. Like, I expected to laugh at it, and that didn't happen. And I wasn't the only one. I looked over to my left just as the movie was starting. Like, the title credits drop. It's right after the opening sequence. There's a big crescendo in music. And I look over, and a woman is so excited, like, leaning out of her seat excited. And she's hitting her boyfriend's knee, and her boyfriend is just, like, chewing on his fingernail. Like, his face is in his hand. And he's chewing on his pinky nail. He's just like, mm-hmm. fuck this. I can't yeah. believe I'm here. Uh, it Wait for about two acts or ish when Beast is starting to like soften his hardened exterior. And his yeah. hand is moved to where he's like biting his fingernails in anticipation. It was cute. <laughs> that was cute. I, you know, I didn't think Emma Watson was an entire, like totally a stick. I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. That I don't, I actually don't think she sucks at all, and I didn't think she sucked that much in this. I appreciated that some of the songs, like some of the singers in the movie, are better than others, but also some of the characters are musicians, so that kind of was fine with me. Like, right. I, the, my thing about this film, and the reason I can't hate it, is that the story is perfect. Like, it's not a good story. It's not a great feeling that this girl is like trapped for her father, but like in the sense of how a story is constructed, where the opening scene establishes the reality of the situation yes. that you're in, where every character is introduced in order of importance and all of their <laughs> motivations are laid out for you in song within 10 minutes. And then every trajectory that you start resolves itself in this kind of nice rolling pace. Like they didn't yeah. fuck up the story. And, yeah, and well, it's a story as old as time. They could have. I mean, two hundred and seventy years. But what I would say, I mean, to that fact, but, like you know, people, a lot of people, have, like been upset about them, like remaking uh, this version of Beauty and the Beast. But when you think about it, there's been like five different Beauty and the Beasts in the last ten. Like, literally, it's a story that gets retold constantly. Because, like exactly, you said, it is kind of I'm a perfect saying. story. That's exactly what I'm saying. And I can like, yeah. uh, so in that sense, you kind of can't ruin the story. Even, and that's why my willy count was lowered because everything I wanted to object to had some sort of like character flaw answer. Yeah. Like, you know, the beast doesn't actually trap Belle. He traps her father, which is fucked up, but her dad's a stranger who stole something. And is that a life sentence? No, but we've established this as a weird world where people have weird powers. Like, the whole thing 
just yeah. and you understand why uncomfortable. The... Hold on, it didn't make me as uncomfortable in places as it could have. And like the only thing that annoyed me about it, even though I was swept up in some of the sequences and dug some of the songs because I had forgotten that I actually liked the soundtrack when I was a child. Uh, yeah. The it the, my biggest frustration was go all out if you're going to do live action. I want to see the yes. makeup of a beast. I don't yes. mind like. I know that it's fake. I fucking Just put know it in a Chewbacca that it's costume. It's, we already have it lying around. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like that was my the bummer was like no the practical effects really could have been inspiring and really pretty, but I lost some of that. And the CGI characters, although I thought they were charmingly cat like performed, like I got swept up in that my toe taps, but like I didn't get drawn back into the story like I was a child, you know. Right. And I there so, was uh, I coulda like it was close enough. I coulda. I just didn't. It seems like the through line to everybody, though, is about uh, preconceived notions. It has a lot to do with expectations. And I think that's one of the reasons why I liked this. And similarly with La La Land, I liked them so much better the second time. is because the first time I went in expecting to love it. And the second time I went in expecting to hate it because I hadn't enjoyed it the first time. And I definitely went into this the first time like, I am going to love this movie. Because Beauty and the Beast, the original, is one of, one of, was one of my favorite movies as a kid. I, I adore that movie. And I still think it's like a nearly perfect 85 minutes or whatever uh i really like it and the soundtrack is fun and like yeah there's some great comedy so much to like and uh but it sounds like caitlin you went in planning to not like it because you forgot you liked it as a kid or you just don't have that much uh memory tied to it because i do have like the story does kind of suck like this girl (laughs) like it's perfectly structured but it's this girl who's like I'm important and interesting because I read. Like, no, bitch. People should just read. Like, there's nothing else going that's, like, all that crazier out there. And the fact that the town folk are against her is like, yeah, okay, they're illiterate and that sucks, but maybe this girl's not that nice. And she's not. She's not that nice. Like, I think this movie did capture a sort of unsympatheticness to Belle that I appreciated. She's a little judgy of the townspeople. You can feel she really hates the place. Like, I dug that. Like, uh, because this character is kind of a shitty character. <laughs> so, Bree, do you have do you have like those feels from childhood about this? How did? Oh, what? sure, and yeah, and yeah. I think it's you know it's very catchy. I'm sorry, were you asking me? Yes, for sure. Please. Uh, yeah, it was very catchy. You know, I love musicals, and yes, Caitlin, you're totally right. Like, the, it's it's in musicals. There's like a wish song, you know, and right. she's literally right. wishing. There's the revolutionary number, which is the kill the beast. Kill the uh. beast was the best sequence in the film because the editor finally got his shit together, <laughs> realized he was collecting a paycheck to do an honest job, and he he put together a snappy second act turn. Right. And it was a good song and, and it was well, well paced. And it's the fighting you love seeing. But I I would have loved to see this movie done with like puppets. Jim Henson, yeah, yes, Beauty and yes. the Beast yes. would be, may I submit, would be a 10 times better film because yes. there's just it just needed to it needs to be more surreal for that world to feel just um, exactly exactly yeah. you guys ever watch and the uh linda hamilton ron perlman beauty and the beast oh, tv yeah. show from the yep. 80s no. uh i i watched it a lot as a kid for some reason but in my mind, okay, I haven't seen the picture of. Okay, we're looking at a picture oh, of Ron Perlman as the Beast right now. Oh God! And like that. Okay, let me describe this. So you know what Ron Perlman looks like? <laughs> He's very large. Now imagine he was wearing a blonde wig, and he had. It almost looks like uh, they put glue on his nose and cheeks, and then threw a handful of gold dust at him. 
and that is his hairy face. Yeah, it's it's a look. But I feel like that <laughs> looks better than what we got in this movie. Oh, yeah, like, the Beast is by far the worst-looking thing. I, I could even give you Lumiere and Cogsworth in CG. Because I did like Lumiere and Cogsworth, and yeah, I didn't I, even hate the Beast that much. Like, I wanted it to be real, it. but I was like, all right, okay. He's a little too handsome, but that's fine. He and quick reminder know. that in Belle's so, Wish song, uh, even though she reads and, like, wants more from the world and to travel, what she's wishing for is a Prince Charming. Like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I the just things stopped she likes feeling in books bad are for Belle right when the movie started. Like, oh, girl, you can get exactly what you want. Like, you're going to get a big-ass <laughs> castle, and you're going to get some fucking prince. Like, yeah. You know what's so funny, though? In her Wish song, the only lyric she has is, I want adventure, and I don't want all these people, and I want a person. When she's yeah. talking yeah. about reading, like, this is the best part. This is when she meets Prince Charming, but she yeah, doesn't know right. it until chapter yeah, three. Like. Boring. Yeah, I get You're it. Right. You want that out of your town, man. But you just yes. want somebody with like a boat to get you out of that town. Like, yes, I get, it. I get it, girl. That's not bad. I don't know yeah, why I'm yeah. preaching to Bell. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> the second what? as a grown up when I watched it, it's like, eh, you know, her, her ambitions aren't that huge. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, the Beast is a catch for this lady. Hmm. Well, she's and- basic. <laughs> I mean, uh, she wants to get out of small town life. She wants to go to Paris, and that I have a lot of empathy for. And uh, I don't, I mean, I like for a Disney movie, it is not surprising that she wants there to be a Prince Charming to take her yes. away. But what's interesting about this one is that none of that bothered me as a kid in the original, but now as an adult and with having real uh, like humans say the things out of their mouths, it sounds like yes. a lot of it had different weight to it. So when it was like um, backup love of my life, Emma Watson saying the thing about Prince Charming, I was like way more disappointed in her than I ever was with the cartoon lady. And a lot of the things that, uh, that Gaston says are like funny. And when he's like a, like when he, when he actually does throw whole eggs in his mouth, it's real fun. And when it's a person, Gaston, I'm like, that's too many eggs, buddy. (laughs) You shouldn't eat that many eggs. Like it just changes everything so much to have them be real that a lot of that stuff bothered me more this time. And especially the kidnapping and the, the rules of the dungeon, like how his rule is like, if you touch, you can come in and take the bread off my table. I have no beef. You touch one flower, I get to put you in jail for forever. Oh, and yeah. Then, well, it makes sense that he'd be a little shifty around strangers after the last one he met, right? <laughs> I, you, it, 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 you can, like the thing's like, well, like, why would he lock him up on uh, still in a row? like, you understand? Maybe he's a little salty and not thinking straight. Right? He's had, <laughs> well, he's had no, a rough few what, years. Yeah, but a way not to learn your lesson. Like, yeah. yeah, what happened the last time you kicked an old, weird, enchanted person out of your house? Yeah, it's yeah. a right now, Anyone I, shows up. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I, I did. As the second the movie was over, I, I looked over at Alex and said, you know what they should have done instead of throwing a big pody? As a kill that wizard person, right? Because <laughs> she just uh, goes around coasting people for, for no good reason. Uh, yeah, I thought it was weird that she was a really super amazing witch, but she's still begging for change. Yeah. She's just always looking out to teach people lessons. Everyone, yeah, who, everyone who's like, sorry, I got, I don't carry change. She's like, boom, now you're a, you're a, a, a sheep. Take and that. Her magic seems real scattershot. Like she, <laughs> she went to like curse this guy and then turned all of his 
people into things, but then also like the all the plates are just magical too. Bunch of ribbons are magical. Here's a book. Here's a glass. Here's yeah. a, like she just like but left some brushes him all are just brushes. Yeah, guys. there was yeah. That, there's that one joke where she's like, "Is everything magical?" She talks to the hairbrush, and then uh, yeah, like she's Cogsworth the asshole. Is like, yeah, exactly. It's like, what an idiot. That's a hairbrush, and then literally, it's the only inanimate object that's not secretly a person in the whole I- castle was so angry at that moment because I was like, are you seriously putting a joke in where we're trying to learn the rules of this world? Are you blowing this improv scene right now, movie? The the angriest I was was in Be Our Guest, which is a tremendous song and it is a is. fun number in this thing. But the whole time... She's not allowed to eat anything, and he keeps taking every morsel of food away from her. She's been starving in a dungeon all day, and that whole song goes by, and they throw away all the food from the song, and she gets nothing. She leaves the song Be Our Guest hungry and has to drink tea to stay alive. Uh, Alex, you're a man after my own belief in sadly wasted food. I do not like wasting food, but also it was just like, what are what are any of the rules governing any of this? Because that, it doesn't make sense that they have all of the stuff, they can do all the stuff. Why isn't the food magic? Yeah, is the food alive? Yeah. Are they like the pots are all alive? But <laughs> it's just so unclear what's alive and what's not, and for what reason? It's just so yeah. weird. Like that when the when the person who coached him left, did she tell him, "Oh, I left a magic book upstairs and a magic mirror upstairs," <laughs> right. or was that like? A year into it, he's like, "What's this mirror?" There's a large. Uh, she has to give you the whole user's manual. To yeah. like, hey, <laughs> you've been curse. cursed by a hag. <laughs> just like that book you get in Beetlejuice when you die. Just <laughs> yeah, it's actually a PDF now. You just download yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, the mirror actually has the PDF on it. You just have yeah. to scroll over. It was really just an iPod with a really ugly frame. <laughs> um. So, man, I, it's, any other like lingering anger points that we want to get out right here? Because uh, we, have, I have other, I have other questions, but it feels like we've hit a stall. I okay. I'll just say this one other thing about just like theater. It, it, I don't think that we have figured out what we want from musical. The- like we've been doing this this live t- TV, like they did Grease and The Wiz, right? right? And. They've all been really weird because they're live. It's musical theater. It's musicals we know. There's no audience, but they shoot it with a fourth wall. And this was really similar. It was there was a fourth wall, mm. but there was I don't know. It's just we have not figured out what it. It should have been more spectacle or sh- do it on stage. Do Beauty and the Beast on stage with full theatrical, you know, whatever. Mm. Make Stanley Tucci earn his money. Get him, you know, get him in a car, get him to the theater, and put an audience and let us watch that. I would have paid, you know, I would pay two tickets to see that. Yeah, well, as people have been letting happen, people you, letting Stanley Tucci slide for way too yeah, long. That's fair. <laughs> but as luck would have it, Brie, you can pay to see the Broadway musical of Beauty and the Beast anytime yeah, you want. That I is should. available. And on this, and fun thing about this movie, they didn't use any of the new songs from the musical. Because then they wouldn't be eligible for Oscars for best songs. That's oh. what the theory is. That makes sense. They did all original songs. So Man, already so shitty, though. They're not going to yeah. win. Well, right, because this is their fourth best round of Beauty and the Beast songs. Mm. They're not going to... They've already used the other ones. Yeah. We don't know I, how, how shitty every other song is this year yet. So, you know, hold out <laughs> hope. It could, still, it could still happen for them. I have some other things that are just uh, really problematic for me about the story. Um, 
One is that I think the, that Larry is just still a dick at the end. Like, I feel like he does not... Like, the one thing he's supposed to learn from this hag is, like, about treating people better. And at no point in the story is he like, man, I guess I was pretty mean to that lady. Like, he doesn't feel bad about anything that's happened. He doesn't have any sense of guilt or shame about anything in the entire story. All it is is he throws a snowball at her face and gives her a library. And then she's like, sure, I'd fuck a goat dog. And then it's over. He's totally codependent. Like, at the yeah. end of the movie, when she goes, he literally wants to die. Like, yeah. Yeah. that's super unhealthy. And what are the, Oh, man. What are the rules about the kidnapping? Because he... So, he he can put you in prison forever for uh, the Rose, which, you're right, Anthony, I understand why he's jumpy. But uh, then he's like, you're kidnapped forever. And she's like, all right, but I'm just going to leave. And then uh, the teapot's like, well, it's a long way, but I guess you could just leave. So there's no magic holding her there. But then later, when she's like, I gotta go see my father, he's like, I release you. And she says, thank you, and then goes. like, And he tells everybody, like, I let her go. Like, she just could have left. And also, why are you like, I let her go? She could come back. It's a 10-minute walk, as far as we can tell. Because the Kill the Beast song, they just walk there in one chorus from town, from the bar, to the to the castle to kill the beast. She could just go visit her father, walk back by morning. <laughs> well, mobs are faster than horses, Alex. Well, and also, when she sees her dad in the mirror, he's being carried out already. And then when she gets there, he's still being carried out. So, like, she really the hustled. The bar is very large. Yeah, yeah. It's part the of the castle magic. Relax. Yeah, you guys are really demanding a pretty strict timeline from a movie about a beast animal who lives in an enchanted castle with a living candlestick. Like, no, yeah, uh-huh, making... the timeline's skishy. It's a little skishy. <laughs> Well, um, this is, again, these are things that didn't bother me in the cartoon, but because it's live action all of a sudden, I'm like, why aren't you guys trying? And the other thing is, they added a couple of, like, retcon moments to this film from the original, instead of the original, like, oh, instead of her mom just being dead because all moms in Disney movies have died before the movies start, instead, it's because of the plague. And so we got this whole other scene, this whole mag- ridiculous magic book she gave them that's, like, uh, free teleportation, but only bums him out. Um, cause and you no can place take Earth- rattles back. Yeah, but you can't carry things. Yeah, so it's not... You can take plague-ridden rattles back. Yeah, plague. Right, yeah exactly. There was so plague she on sure that rattle. has plague the at the end of this, right? Leads That's how rattle. the plague started, because somebody yeah, teleported. Yeah, that's in the Beast 2, is the entire village dying slowly over the course of a week. I mean, it's only fair <laughs> if she has plague, since he's definitely got rabies from the time the wolves bit him. That's true. And he was also a dog at the time. So, like, they're just going to... Maybe the rabies and the and the yeah, plague will the fight dog. out inside them. But I guess it's just like they went... They took the time to do that to explain for whatever reason. And that... Like, so they feel like they want to... And they, they explain... Um, what are they... What do they even do? I, they, uh, they, they like... It looks like they like to add a little explainer to a couple of moments. So that's why it bugs me that if they were looking at it, like, how do we fix this? And they weren't like, you know, it is weird that she never leaves. Yeah. I mean, the one thing they added that I did like, uh, I was not expecting, uh, but very early on, I mean, literally the opening scene, the, like, prologue, I thought that was really well done. That was, like, the one improvement they really flushed out. Like, in the original, it's, like, 20 seconds, and it's, like, four shots. And this one is, like, that whole musical number, and I thought, like, that set looked gorgeous, and all of those, again, Brie, like, all those actresses and actors dancing 
It's this huge choreographed number, and it's like really dynamic, and you you, yes. and you get to meet the cast a little bit before they get toned in, right? And then when the the person comes in at the end, like I just thought that whole sequence was it was fun. I well the done. harpsichord's an annoying instrument, and I'm glad we stopped using it. But <laughs> that was one of my major takeaways: is like they kept playing harpsichord, and I don't need that. Yeah, get a fucking piano, France. <laughs> I have a I have a feeling about Josh Gad. Oh, man. oh, yes. So, yes, yeah, since we're talking about some changes, let's talk well, a little bit about Josh Gad. First, Brie, will you tell me how you felt about Josh Gad previous to this? Sure. I'm a, a, I'm a Gad figure. fan. I'm a Gad, a Gad a, fly, as a Gad they fly, say. as it were? <laughs> I enjoyed Book of Mormon very much. I thought he, you know, he originated that role, and he's great. Right. Uh, he's fine in uh, uh, Elsa's and the Snow Princess or whatever. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, I thought in this, he is like usually a straight up cartoon character and he was very subdued. I felt like they were trying to, and he's, you know, a comic relief and, and he didn't really do that to me, you know? And I, and you know, everybody's going to have something to say about, but I really felt like this Disney press release, oh, we've got a gay character, was straight up pandering. There was nothing gay about anything anyone did in this movie until, I guess, two dudes were dancing together. I mean, it also didn't seem like they, ch- at the very last scene in the movie, it also didn't seem like they chose to dance together. They were yeah, just they were like, forced yeah. together, but then didn't frown enough, I guess, to make yeah, they it straight. Didn't- yeah, they didn't. They didn't frown, and that was the gayest part of the movie, I guess. Uh, really disappointing that uh, that is just going to be something that is pandered to. I mean, I guess this is the most uh, right uh, Disney, you know, has ever, uh, you know, said, you know, I guess nod to homosexuality. But this is super. It was super bizarre and. Also, I don't know about you guys when you saw the movie, if there were giggles during the things that were, I think, uh, homophobic, like, jokes about gayness during the movie. Uh, There were giggles in my theater because people knew, like, maybe three people read this press release from Disney or this BuzzFeed article or whatever from Disney about there right. being a gay character and were and were had this layer of like, oh, I get it because he's gay. But like nobody else was laughing. There were no children. You know, mm-hmm. it was so bizarre, y'all. I don't, I man, I had a totally different take on the gay character. Oh, on the Josh Gad. I, I don't care about Josh Gad one way or the other. I know people hate him. I know people love him. I don't care. He's not bad at what he does. Uh Except for the first 10 minutes where they lay it on a little thick. Like, yeah, I know he's gay. You already told me in that press release I have BuzzFeed. Uh, I thought <laughs> they did a great job. He's just a gay character that exists. The things that you know more about him are that he's like an opportunist uh, opportunist, and that he's kind of a, you know, a, a, he's a sidekick. He's a glom on. Like, the fact that he's gay is not the central drive. It's not the only thing about him. He's just, it makes sense that, yeah, that makes sense as a gay character. Like, He's just a gay dude. He's just a gay dude. And it was a big relief that it wasn't like, you know, the jokes were the right kind of tension. If you have a straight asshole friend that keeps you around because, you know, you buy him shit, take the fall for things. uh, Like the tension between them was not offensive to me in any way. I didn't see it as like negative. There were no Snickers at the wrong time in my theater, but I saw it in L.A. Uh, And I thought like. I saw it in Glendale. Fair. (laughs) 
us at the Vista Theater. It was just a relief to me that that wasn't handled more poorly. Again, my expectations were low and they were far exceeded. Anytime a gay character is just in a thing without that being a big deal is fine with me. And even if the world around the movie made it a big deal, the movie itself doesn't give a fuck that LeFou is gay. It's just a yeah. gay dude in a movie. It's a nice relief. That's great. And there were black people in that movie. Because there yeah. are black people in that world. So there were black people in the movie with lines and stuff and that got screen time. It was great. I know that's I, I think that's great. I, that's what I wanted to see was, uh, I guess I felt like they were, I, here's what I, all I wanted was, I just wish the gay character could be happy. I just wish he could, like, because he's yeah. just so shit upon the whole movie. But that's assuming that none of the other happy characters in the movie are gay. Everybody's gay. It's a True. fucking musical. It's a Disney True. movie. There have been gay Fair. characters in every fucking Disney movie. Yeah. They just didn't put out a press release. That's it. Right. Like, the Lion King doesn't want to fuck Nala. Like, get it? He hangs out with two men for his entire adolescence. And we don't, we don't think that's weird. No, that's totally fine. He doesn't choose to go home. Remember that the main character of the Lion King is also a ten-minute walk away from where he really lives and never chooses to go back. He's staying with two dudes. <laughs> in the woods explain that to me any other way and it's like it's you know the only reason we care like it, the pandery part is like look what we did we made a gay character yeah. like no that character is just inevitably gay that's just who that character is i don't know I just, well i, I guess totally well totally. and what did you think about when y'all what did you think about when the armoire threw yeah. a bunch of ribbons on some dudes and two dudes were horrified but one dude loved it um i, think I don't know a accurate gauge for how many men probably want to dress up in something fancy every now and again i think and it is that, one in three <laughs> was that the guy that he ends up dancing with at the end was Sorry? that notice that was that the yes. same guy he yeah. ends up dancing that was that same actor okay i that that moment i guess i was like Maybe it's because of the press release, too, and I was just kind of on edge for people to yeah. laugh at things wrong. I thought people laughed at that too hard, and I think it, like, I wish the joke was just like one of the guys was like, sure, I'm in close. Yeah, I'm still fighting. Like, I don't care about this gender thing you've done to me. Yes, but yes. The joke of him being like, oh, I love being in a dress now, felt like they were making fun of him for that instead of saying. it being like, a cool normal thing, but I I don't know. I'm just I I I'm so concerned with seeming like I'm on the wrong side of it the whole time that I'm very on edge while I was watching it. If somebody felt that way thing. while they watched it, I wouldn't argue with it. Like that's totally a fair way to like. I can't take that feeling away from someone, but it didn't rub me away. Again, nothing in this movie I thought was going to push my buttons did. And even that moment when it's creepy to have the two dudes run away like it's gross to be in a dress. But there is some kid watching a Disney movie who just saw a dude light up for get dressing up. Like, totally. it's both. It can be both at the same time, I hope. Like, it's a little fucked up if people laugh at those two dudes running away, but I really hope there's one kid in the theater that's like, he's me. And like, <laughs> yes, you know, I, that's totally I mean, well, I love that. he is me for sure. Like, yeah. and, and I, I do like, I did have a get it girl, but you know, I don't know y'all it's, there's a lot of layers and, and I was mostly, I guess I was just horrified by the, the, the use, use of, you know, I was really excited to see, you know, I was like, oh, great. This will be a great Disney thing that happens now. And I was just like, this was not, uh, this was just for the press release is the way I felt. felt it was like kind of jammed in there. It was fair. It was the other thing that is like only slightly related, I guess, is just that that the LeFou character 
is so funny in the original, and I thought this one, they gave him a lot more lines where he was just annoying, and it was a lot of his, like, 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 um, modern phrases, a lot of anachronism phrases, uh, for some reason, um, Mm -hmm. that I, which I, I found, uh, like, uh, like, I found less funny. I guess I liked it, like, when the genie did it in Aladdin, that was fine, but in this case, it was just, like, that came off as a little grating anyway. And so I like now, now I feel like, Oh, did you make him annoying because you were also doing this? And what are you trying? I don't know. What are I, you trying to do? I thought it was like interesting, at least the way that they, uh, they really expanded his character the most. Like everyone else is pretty much a copy from the animated version. Like, yeah. But his is like he has like a conscience, mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, man. you know, like he's like he has like he's not just like a, a worshiping sycophant. Like he has that when he needs that for the song, right? But most of the time, he's actually like it's a very different character okay. than it is in the original, which I think is really interesting. Totally. But that reminds right. me that his turn, besides being telegraphed over and over and over and over again, then he just says. I used to be on his team, but now I'm not anymore. Was just so on the nose. Yeah. I, that, that really got me. I was just so frustrated with him at that point. I, like, just no subtlety at all. There's just no creep at all to Josh Gad. Just straight on the nose. You guys don't care. All right. No, well, I anyway. agree. No, you're totally right. Yeah. That was, yeah. I All right. You know, I, it should have been, like, I can't revive it. I feel like it didn't. Again, it didn't push any of my buttons the wrong way, even though I thought it would. And you're totally cool. right. That line is bullshit. That whole scene, like, the Josh Gad character is kind of annoying and in a few lines is obnoxiously stereotypically gay. Uh, it's more to me like, well, I, it's, I'm on two minds for it all the time. Like, Mrs. Potts tells him or whatever, like, you know, he, you're too good for him. Uh, yeah. And he's, you know, oh, yeah, I know. That moment is a little insincere and it's a little limp but it's also like... It's a nice old lady who's not being weird, you know? Totally. Like, yeah, she, he didn't get shunned and kicked out of the castle. He got a yeah. little piece of encouragement, even though it came off as kind of... Uh, I, yeah, that one, I, it can I be both. that moment. It's both. It can be it both. Was like, that was the moment of his turn that I thought was... That, that's what I wanted the turn to be, is like, you realizing you're too good for this guy... And it's for some reason it's be- it's because of the piano falling on you during a fight, and it's not because you watched him murder a man in cold blood for no reason. So it's much later. Like that was like, oh, you know, I'm a little bothered by you murdering that guy, uh, or attempted mur- attempt murdering that guy. Uh, but now you've gone too far when it was about me. But I wanted him to be more like, oh, I'm too good for him. I like that turn instead of just like, well, I'm kind of mad at him, so I'm no longer interested in helping him kill this whole castle full of people who didn't hurt us and it's a weird line when you know you don't want to kill someone but you will douse them in boiling hot water out of a teacup <laughs> right in definitely the face. there's some injuries from that that seem oh. like they're fatal a lot of teacups to the dome that would like at least give you a concussion yeah um, i know everybody up. thinks the mcdonald's lawsuit is totally bullshit but that woman was horribly burnt she that thing yeah. oh yeah it can go really bad yeah yeah no i the mcdonald's lawsuit is not bullshit at all that is the world is lied to us about that uh the lefou storyline brings to brings me to a tender uh a tender feeling i have about this film though which is that the story of feet unrequited love i guess was always uh you know it was a part of my youth i don't know about you but like um i, nah, felt I got like- a lot of requited love 
good, dude. You're a player. Um, I, you know, I always, I felt like a fat monster. So any story that was about a monster felt, you know, wanting love mm. from someone. And LeFou has this unrequited love in the new version. And like, you know, I, I don't like that as an adult, but at, you know, it t- kind of tugs on my heartstrings. So like, I kind of have this view of beast. Like I don't, I don't hate him. I think as much as y'all, uh, cause I think he is, uh, you know, he's an ugly dude and he's, he's trying real hard to not, uh, put that on, you know, he's trying to be gentle and I don't know, and trying to be I, open. Oh, and I, I feel like that hard. I yeah. feel like I am a six foot one kind of hairy lady who's with a very conventionally beautiful five foot one woman. I moved her to Los Angeles because I wanted to, and we live in a basement. This comes creepily close <laughs> to my actual fucking life. Uh, Every once in a while, she skypes with her dad just to make sure he's okay. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. She does. <laughs> You're like, you ever, like here's a mirror. And dad's getting thrown in the back of a truck. You're gonna be like, I le- I release you. Honestly, her dad go. is a good time, man. If he jumped in the back of a truck, it'd be a party. It's different. And I made myself so easy to love. All right, so just we're gonna start wrapping this up, but uh, let's. Uh, I got a couple of quick games I want you guys to play. It is time for a lightning bonus round. We're going into lightning bonus round. So uh, I have two games for the panel today. Questions. They're just questions, but questions for the panel and our audience. The first one is uh, with with this, it seems like the train is moving and is unstoppable. Every cartoon will have a live action remake. There's nothing we can do to stop it. Is there a cartoon that you're excited to see or a thing from a cartoon you're the most afraid of in the world of adaptations that are coming down the pipe? Hmm. I can start with the panel if it helps. All right, sorry. I can start with the the, the listeners' suggestions if it if it helps, or I can start with you. Well, guys. I can. Uh, I mean, I can say literally knowing what the schedule is for the next few years, yeah. right? So it's Mulan, mm-hmm. Dumbo, uh, Guy Ritchie's Aladdin, yeah, uh, and what? then John Favreau's The Lion King. Uh, but I would say Wait, of who's those, doing, who's doing Dumbo? Uh, Tim Burton. Tim Burton's Dumbo. Oh God! Yeah. Nice. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you remember but, what he did to Willy Wonka. That's all. Yeah. yeah, good point. Yeah. Good point. Of of those, I am very. As I said, I'm a big fan of Aladdin. I'm very, ex- like, cautiously optimistic, but potentially horrified by what Guy Ritchie and his right. crazy editing is style is going to do. Because Aladdin, Aladdin was a big part of like ten years of my life, and Guy Ritchie was a big yeah. part of a different ten years of my life. Yeah. And so if he could just nail the '30s now, yeah, by combining the two of them. Um, I know Guy Ritchie thirty years. I, I'm so excited for uh, John Favreau's The Lion King. I think that's going to be. I the cast is really good. I'm interested. I am. I have no idea what it's going to be. I am very. Oh, here's curious. what's going to be too much CG. Yeah, but <laughs> like, he's uh, good at CG, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I mean, Avengers the Jungle Book looked amazing. The Jungle I mean, Book yeah. was actually pretty good it was too much cg but it was pretty yeah. decent but like that seeing that uh, i think is going to be just uh, at least a visual treat i'm yeah, very curious sure. are they going to have su- photo realistic timon and pumbaa in hula scouts dancing uh, or like or are they going to do a much more straight laced version of the jungle book i'm so curious what that is going also, to be also the lion king has the best musical adaptation of a disney movie yeah it's a phenomenal musical and so 
you have that, so now it's like a third thing in the. Ugh, I don't know. And Ooh, Mulan, I'm very curious about as well. Cause Mulan I, is supposed to. Uh, yeah, what I've le- heard leaked about it seems kind of fun. Yeah. Um, well, maybe let, let's spread out then beyond those. What do you guys. What's a cartoon that you would love to see or hate to see adapted? Aristocats. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. John Favreau's The Aristocats. If the they did it with live cats, I, it was just like, what a. I don't know. That would be just funny. Cats with peanut butter in their mouth. and Yeah, like, look who's over. talking now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Marcelo on Twitter said, a CGI version of Bambi's mother getting getting shot is going to be pretty traumatic. Who's going to do that? Michael Bay? <laughs> yeah. He Michael would fucking burn a forest down <laughs> to make oh, for that sure. movie. Yeah. Uh, Sophia on Twitter said, uh, uh, I'm looking forward to the podcast about the Little Mermaid live action. Um because Alex doesn't particularly like fish people. That is true. I'm and not <laughs> you're not a big fan of Lin-Manuel Miranda either, who's doing the music for that live-action version. That is true. So you, you're really finding all types of things about that movie stacked deck against you. N- not that into the mermaid's world. And that's actually, of the like Golden Age Disney cartoons, I think that's one of the one I liked the least. And The Little Mermaid never did anything for me. You think they'll get to like Treasure Planet? Like the later Disney oh, animated the movies. Bear? Yeah. What are the other <laughs> the flops? Uh, I don't know if you can make the Little Mermaid story feel any better. Like Beauty and the Beast, I got some questions about. I didn't feel that bad about this adaptation. The Little Mermaid is a pretty terrible story. Yeah. Of a girl with like again, we're trying to make it look like she has big ambitions, but nope, she's just trying to get her big ambition is like a guy with big ambition. It's just the saddest. Yeah. Did you, uh, and then she literally gives up her voice for a hot guy. Yeah, see, uh, exactly that. <laughs> it's pretty rough. You ever see Ponyo, the uh, Miyazaki uh, no. Little Mermaid Little Mermaid adaptation that no. he did a few years ago? Real dope, based like much more off the original story. That would be interesting if they went that way. Like the actual like Little Mermaid story. It's very different. The Dark Knight version, the the gritty reboot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Call Nolan. Yeah, I'm into that. I'd see Nolan do one of these. Did Uh, I hear? Did I hear the Rescuers on that list? No. The Rescuers rescuers. was a very early favorite, uh, and I wouldn't. I mean, it's too many weird animals to redo. Like, there's not really human characters very much. But like, no, I'd be. I guess there are. I don't know. Don't touch. I just think it's perfectly late 70s. And like, we're really into the 90s right now. Let's try not to mess with the late 70s again. We already did that in the 90s and we didn't do it that great. Uh, wait. Uh, huh. Okay. Uh, sorry. I just, uh, was just looking at pictures of the rescuers. And one of the first things that come up on Google is topless woman in Disney's The Rescuers. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, I'm going to guess is not real. Oh, no, it's real. It's in the background. <laughs> right, that's fun. Uh, on the home video version, there is an objectionable background image. All right. 38 minutes into the film. You guys enjoy. Man, I love those uh, dirty Disney, like, oh, the priest has a boner and the little yeah, mermaid. Yeah. <laughs> I love that stuff. A lot of them are fake. This is like a photorealistic topless woman in the like changing in the window in the background as they That's go what I'm by saying, in the 70s baby or they're like in the lion king when the dust spells sfx because that was like an easter egg they put right, in special right. effects but it looks like sex so right. less people misconstrued it oh that's that what that one was so yeah. uh uh at wham cocker on twitter uh frequent contributor um, says that uh, Disney cartoons sort of created furries. So could the CGI live-action remakes, are they going to cause a generation who want to just actually fuck animals? 
CGI animals. It's going to yeah, be a I lot of weird a... stuff happening in front of green screens. Instead of furries, yeah, they're going to be really into overly smooth animals and green screens. <laughs> Uh, all right. So my second question then for the panel, so the lightning bonus round. Second question: uh, What item in an enchanted castle would you be most into becoming, or would you be least into becoming? Ooh, I like that. I obviously the duster is the only one who flies because like the clock has a real hard time getting around that castle, but she's just a bird. And his gears seem to act up, which I can yeah. only imagine feels awful. I could. <laughs> I, 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 that's what I, anything that doesn't have moving oh, parts, yeah. a candle holder, I could live with that. Yeah. But if I had like gears that like would occasionally freak out and I would like. Yeah, you just felt your spleen and liver trade places? Yeah. Ooh. Well, that'd be a rough <laughs> one. Well, the coat rack seemed like fun, especially during the fight. I remember very distinctly the cartoon, yeah. and then they did that really well too of him like boxing gloves. With the boxing dings. Yeah. You can't talk if you're a coat rack. That's true. It's a silent coat rack. Um, <laughs> Chip seems fun, although definitely would have broken more than just that chip at some point. Yeah. Also, when he does he have a chip in his tooth when he's a real boy? Where does that chip go? Because he's not just like missing a section of head when we see him as a person. <laughs> the two fingers. You just don't see it. Is this one of those things? Yeah, like if you break off your handle, does he come back and only has one arm? Or zero arms? Or how does the... Like, does what happened to you as a clock happen to you in real life? I don't know. Again, you're asking a lot of this movie. <laughs> No, it's I'm not going to answer those questions now. for you. Uh, do you guys the have a thing? The timeline's not great, and that guy's not really a clock, so there's no answer <laughs> for what happens to his arms. Okay, but I think it would be cool to be like an espresso machine. That's time. You oh. know, have an Italian accent, be kind of yeah. like funny in the kitchen. Yeah, and you've got like a bunch of different nozzles and stuff for fighting when that happens. Yeah, and steam, you yeah, know. You st- yeah, that'd be fun. I like the Italian accent too. The uh, the accents in the movie are weird. There are uh, sure are a lot of British people in this French castle, and one French person in this whole French yeah. village. Yeah, the whole, <laughs> one, one French person. Oh, um, and it's you and McGregor, <laughs> right? Which is By unfortunate. Way, Cogsworth in this movie is also another Disney gay character. Right. Only hangs out with oh. one dude. That dude is Flashdean French. Like hates his wife apparently. Self, yeah, totally is not into finding his wife again. Like he's Man. just one of those characters that's like yeah. got married because he had to because that's what you were supposed to do or whatever. But we all know about that. Cogsworth. Is such a better reading than just that Disney threw in a hates his wife joke for fun at the end of the movie, which is how I thought they were doing it. Yeah. Just feels like oh what a oh yeah sure of course somebody hates their wife it's a movie. I mean that lady was unpleasant. I, I had, yeah. she was pretty. Unpleasant. She was one of my favorites. I loved her in early on, and I loved her in the fight. She was so great. And she was she very has, like master of the house. Da 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 da. Yeah, she has one note she sings in one of the songs, and she sings the shit out of it. I liked her. I, I did think uh, random, but the Ian McKellen had my favorite moment in the movie, and that was when uh, when Beast walks away, and he's like. Yeah, come back here and say that or whatever he says. Like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. I will not stand for that. That's my minor compliment, so yeah. hang on to that. Oh. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, actually, this is kind of similar to you, Bree, but at me and who uh, on Twitter said uh, the best would be being a coffee pot because they're warm and they make cozy noises and people love hanging out near them. Oh. What a fun thing to be. And then the worst, uh, uh, Kristen... Duh, toilet. Mew, at Kristen Miro said toilet, but yeah. then... Uh, Ava Starr said, one step further, toilet plunger. Oof. Because that's your face, probably, if you're a Disney cartoon. 
the pl- the red part would be the face, right? That's rough. Yeah, tough job. Would it be like? Also, I was interested in like when Mrs. Potts got filled with hot water. Did that feel good, or did that feel like scalding water? Oh, no, good question. <laughs> Is it like Wolverine like it. where it over hurts over. every time? Yeah. <laughs> wait, also, wait. Chip was blowing bubbles, but we could see his face. So does that mean? Was that a fart bubble in his tea? <sighs> or like blowing out your ears, you know? Oh, like, that's good. Thank you for saving me from that. Um, at Magic Darts on Twitter said, the door knocker would be fun so I could fuck with the butler. Or I'd like to be a haunted suit of armor so I can trip the butler with my halberd. In short, fuck butlers. <laughs> so, uh, I like at least you got an agenda that you can fill out. Toilet seems like definitely the worst, but I, I don't know. The, the dresser was weird, too. That depends too. on what you're into. Fair, fair. Uh, the dresser seemed like it could be fun, although for some reason she's narcoleptic this time. That was well, I think she's falling asleep because the rose is dying. That's yeah. why yeah, the no piano's teeth are falling out. That's why the Cogsworth, is, his gears are turning because he's starting to turn into an actual clock. The oh. duster is growing more and more feathers throughout it. Which is just yeah. useful. But like sleep, her, I guess the sleeping one was... the I, I see now. It just seemed weird at the time. Well, well I... I how do you think like the powers dictate, right? Like, do they all have like the candle arbor? Uh, he can he can make fire, uh-huh. makes sense. Yeah, Duster can fly a little stretching it, but kind of works. The wardrobe can shoot out cloth and she fabric. Can make, you know. She can make ribbons dance in the air and wrap themselves in whatever direction she Did wants. Did all of them have like extra powers on top of it? Cogsworth could take that tiny sword out of his self and then put it back. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's about all he could do. Um, yeah, it's also fun when the when the last petal falls, and it's like every character gets long enough to say one word goodbye, and then they turn into the thing. Like magic was really into letting last words happen. Oh, well, but I mean, man, that little Ottoman dog! Oh, oh, oh and he oh. died upside down. God, that got me. <laughs> I mean that the the person who put the curse on him definitely loves dramatic. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, she walked into a ball with a rose and cursed a man. She's <laughs> belly in the top. That's kind of her thing. She's willing to go. She pretty lives dramatic. in the woods because no one understands her. She's into drama. It's not because weird that she money. doesn't just live in that castle. Yeah, she could have just taken yes. it. It's not no, in great shape right it's now. It's not her. Mm, no, she yeah, <laughs> very into drama. Uh, Agatha, yeah. man, and also that castle. It's sort of like the castle in Edward Scissorhands where it's like no one just noticed the huge evil castle on the hill that's a five-minute walk during a song. I do like that. Oh, wait. Was this in the original that the people, like the no. part of the Magic Coast, was that everyone forgot about it? I don't think so. I think that's one of their retcons in Because I yeah. did, uh, like, oh, that's actually pretty clever. Like, it's, sure. a, it's a place that time has forgotten, essentially, because of this coast. You know? Unless a you just looked to the east. Yeah, yeah well, oh, unless, like, did... Is she also responsible for like the lightning that brought them here? Like, was this her plan the entire time? That really bugs me because the lightning that sends him there that starts all this happening, it's sort of like that, like, um, Hagatha cursed the beast and was like, but I feel bad for you, so I also am going to give you a true love. Like, I feel like I think that uh, Belle is given a chance really early to be kind to Agatha and doesn't. Like Gaston's there and being a pest and like points out 
Agatha yeah. is like a gross hag. Yeah. And Bill had a choice there to either like kind of put herself on the line for Agatha or close the door and be safe. And admittedly, that's a fucked up choice. But hey, that's what we face. Like, that's just real. Yeah, like, could have been I nice. mean, it's not real. It's a very fake movie about a lady who curses people. But like she they just put in this scene where Belle has a chance to be nice to this lady and say like, no, or like give her an apple or a cabbage, which she obviously has. Cause like guest on stepped on one. She doesn't right. do anything for her. She kind of ignores her, which is mean. And I feel yeah. like that sets an emotion. Like, you know, she's at a test too of like, uh, I don't know. I guess I thought Agatha could have helped out anytime she wanted and didn't. And that gave me a little bit of a reason, even though it's subtle. It's not like, you know, again, she likes drama and it's this girl didn't go out of her way to protect her. So, you know, she's on some kind of list for some kind it, of enchanted lesson sounds, learning. Sounds like she's spinning so many enchanted plates at the same time, Agatha. Like, it's got to keep track of all these different threads. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. I cursed this person 12 years ago, but... What's, what are the odds that she only cursed this one beast? She's got to have a million curses out there yeah. oh, all man. working at the same time. Yeah, That's a monsterverse, apparently. There's going to be yeah. a series of films about that, too. Yeah, totally. All right, so that's lightning bonus round, you guys. You can play along on Facebook.com slash ReadWeep, on, on Twitter at Read underscore Weep. And you can sign up for the weekly weep, the mailing list, and you'll get early access to the lightning bonus round question. Now it's time for the minor compliments. We're going to go in reverse order. So, Caitlin, one more nice thing about Beauty and the Beast 2017. Um, you know, it made me remember one of this is a backhanded compliment. Uh, one of my favorite things that Mystery Science Theater 3000 does over and over and over again is to advise a bad movie to never reference a better movie in the middle of their bad movie. Oh, and that that's scene. Good the uh, I think Sound of Music is fucking great. I think everything that's wrong with this movie is right in Sound of Music. And when they put a, like they did that hill shot, like Ugh. you did that better in the '60s with a real helicopter. Like, <laughs> so I laughed yeah. out loud in the theater, thinking like, never put a better movie in the middle of your bad movie. Uh, yeah. And anytime I have a chance to remember a line from Mystery Science Theater 3000, plus remember how great Sound of Music is. Man, that's oh, that's what a, gem. a good moment. The, uh, there's also the singing in the rain reference during Be Our Guest where uh, like the punch or whatever is spilling over on him and he does his little puddle dance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Referencing a better movie. Can't All right. My minor compliment is the thing Anthony mentioned a second ago. Best moment of comedy, I think, in the whole thing. And Cogsworth in general, I remember being very tickled by him in the cartoon and I was not particularly into it. He's just a coward is this whole thing now. He's just a coward um, who hates his wife. Um, but the... Uh, the best moment is after the beast calls them idiots and leaves, and then he pretends he doesn't know the beast has left and turns around, pulls out his like one inch long sword as if to fight him and says, you can't talk to us that way. Oh, he's gone. I was going to show him what for. And that was <laughs> like, that made me laugh t- both times I saw it uh, pretty, pretty heartily. I thought that was a really great little moment of comedy. And his little sword is his best physical comedy. And I don't know what part of the clock it was. I didn't notice. But he just <laughs> unsheathes a tiny sword. And then uh, there's not actually someone there to fight. But that's just it's such not a, an important part. No, right, hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, he pulls out his sword and his face falls off. <laughs> anyway, great moment of comedy. Thanks for remembering it, Anthony. Uh, and speaking of Anthony, what is your minor compliment? Um, so you know how there's like a lot uh, for me at least there's a lot of like positions at Disney that I'm just envious of. Like I just I think about as like a ton of positions like Imagineers, people who get to do cool stuff, people yeah. who you know who 
get to go and play basketball at the top in the half court that's hidden at the top of the Matterhorn. Sure. Right? A few employees get like these cool privileges yeah, and get yeah. to do cool work at Disney. Whoever gets to dress up as Goofy and live as what it would feel like to be Goofy. But one of my favorite, I don't know, I imagine it's multiple people, but I like to imagine it's one guy or one girl who is the person who does the redesigned title treatments for the Disney castle at the beginning of their movies. Oh. You know? And I thought this one was really well done. I like the way it, le- it went straight into the first shot of the movie. So you're talking about that thing at the beginning where you yeah. see the Disney castle, and on the cartoon, it was like blue in the background, castle, and then like the star shoots yeah. over it. And now for all the big tent pools, they do a unique castle right. depending on the theme of the movie. And they're always really imaginative. They look incredible. And this one I thought was great. And I was like, I want, that's a sweet job. Uh, whoever does that. Yeah. That's like another position at Disney I never really thought about before. It was like, someone's job is just to come up with like cool new Disney castles for yeah. 20 seconds. And that's, they probably have other hats they wear, but I like to think that's all they do, you know? Well, and it's just, that's no, cool. they, they'd come out and design it and then they're thrown back into that jail in Toontown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Bree, what's your minor compliment? Big shout out to Audra McDonald, the lady who played the armoire, who had an yeah. incredible voice. She's had a long career. Yep. Hashtag black excellence. Uh, <laughs> just really just carried the entire cast of singers with this one amazing voice. Audra oh. McDonald, respect. She was so great. I was a little disappointed at the very end that uh, Mrs. Potts was singing when you had... Like, why are you letting the teapot sing that song when you have a professional opera singer there to sing? I felt like Emma Thompson just sang a couple of phrases. She did... uh, And then Audra McDonald was kind of singing the rest. Yeah, she took it back over. Just like there was the harpsichord guy was playing, but you actually heard sweeping strings. But I still, I was just like, she's there. Let her sing more. Why are you trying to take away her job? And replace it with someone who's not Angela Lansbury. That's exactly it. Like, having the teapot sing that was, like, I needed the teapot to sing that, even if it's not going to be Angela. I am wearing an Angela Lansbury t-shirt right now. My allegiance is fierce. It is so strong. It's a picture of Jessica Fletcher's, and it says, I killed them all. Uh, Yes. How do you feel about a generation of children whose Angela Lansbury is going to be Emma Thompson? I'm not oh. mad at that because Emma Thompson also is a fucking so boss. wonderful, yeah, she's so right. great. Totally. That's a that's a fair torch pass. That's if you're gonna have yeah. you know one cool ass white lady to be in love with, that she's a good grandma. She's a good grandma substitute <laughs> if you need one. I needed one for crying, you know. And <laughs> Angela, she's there for me. It's, I was not disappointed by Emma. Thompson. I actually thought the casting was good. I tried to, I tried to not like this movie and I couldn't do it. Oh wow, man. It just, the way, the trick is try to like it and then it'll go the other way. I tried to do that with La La Land and whoo boy. That is it for our discussion of Beauty and the Beast. Uh, We'll be back next week. Next week we're talking about Planet Earth 2. And that's because next week is the beginning of April, and April is Deep Month on Rian Wave. So we're going, uh, we're going deep into the Animal Kingdom. We're also going to be going into the uh, the deep sequel, Fast and Furious Eight is coming out, and we have some yeah. other uh, deep theme themed. Fate episodes. of the Furious. Yeah. The oh man, uh, why is he traded sides? We'll find out. Is Vin going to stay bad the whole movie or just for a little while? 
I'm going to bet that it's about family. It probably is in the long run. Best part, though, of that trailer is that they are going to fight a submarine with their cars. And I cannot. Yes! Because we saw the tank and we were like, how do you fight? How do you go? Where do you go anywhere from fighting a tank? And they're like, well, we'll drop them out of a plane. You're like, all right, that's pretty cool. Where do you go now? And I would never have said a submarine in the ice. (laughs) And they did it. You think they'll shoot a crow out of the submarine's uh, torpedo torpedo base? Yes. You could. They're pretty big. Um, And then real quick before we go, uh, I have to do a quick corrections department. So we got a couple of good corrections written in today. The first is, uh, this is kind of important. Uh, Two episodes ago, number 382, we were talking about the book 1984. And we, well, I'll just let Zach, at Zach McFly on Twitter, tell us. uh, Listening to your 1984 episode right now, great episode, one nitpick. This was written by a Brit and is actually about the UK in 1949. And we may have referred to it, that's fair, Zach, we may have referred to it as a uh, uh, classic American work, and it is not even a little bit that. And I, that's not a nitpick. That is a very embarrassing major error, and uh, we do regret the error. Thanks for pointing that out, Zach. And uh, then also, further back in time, go back to episode 125 and 26, we got this email from Andy, called Andy who said... Uh, a long time ago on your Ender's Game, the book episode, uh, one of the one of you called the side plot where Peter became the leader of the world because he's really good at posting internet comments, a swing and a miss. That was me. That was my comment. That's what I said. That is a stret as a unbelievable premise that you're so good at internet comments they elect you president. Now that we have the comment section of the internet as a president, has your opinion changed? It's <laughs> a great question, Andy. Um Man, I still don't think the world we live in is a plausible storyline. I, <laughs> I just, I don't believe it. I'm not well, convinced. This show jumped the show like <laughs> 40 years ago. Yeah, I don't know, Andy. I it was a great question. Good call. Deep pull into our archives like six years ago. Nicely done. Uh, nope, it was not believable then. It's not believable now. Anyway, send along your corrections departments. Uh, email is podcasts at read-weep.com. Oh, and since we're talking about old episodes, if you want to hear more of Caitlin talking about Angela Lansbury, you can go back to number, episode 289 where we watched Murder, She Wrote, and it was a warm gravy blanket. Yeah, we <laughs> really did. Fun. Was that the virtual reality episode that we watched? Yes, we did. It. We watched a couple, including the virtual reality episode. Oh, so good. So good. That was so fun. So good. Uh, all right, and uh, so thank you, as always, for being here at Anthony Lopez Part 2. Thank Twitter. you for having me. And at Bree Pruitt on Twitter. Bree? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> What's that? What are you asking me? He said thank you for being here. Oh, thanks, Alex. Sorry, my computer's being awful at the worst time. No, it's all right. It was great talking to you. Uh, and we miss you up here, and I hope Los Angeles appreciates what a great gift they've been given. They don't. <laughs> Story of Los Angeles, probably. Speaking of uh, gifts to Los Angeles, at, at Robot Caitlin on Twitter, it's Caitlin Gill. That's Thank me. you for being here, Caitlin. Thank you for having me. Thanks for making me see this movie I never would have seen and didn't hate as much as I thought I would. I'm so glad because most of the things we send you are so bad. That you know I what? They really are. Like, you could have asked me to go see Get Out or Kong. That would have been great. But no, no, I'll take this. That's I'm fine. considering I'll take watching it. Kong for, for Deep Month because it's pretty, it's, it seems like it's pretty. It's Holy like, shit, it's it? so good. Go Is see Kong. Really? Oh my really? God. I love it. Is yeah. it like oh, the 15th King Kong movie or something? So it's pretty deep sequel. Uh, it's actually the second film in the new Monster Cinematic Universe. The end. Uh, how's the lighting in that movie? <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. Good. Okay, good. All right. Uh, Anyway, thank you all. We'll talk to everybody next week. Goodbye. Soldier in the wall.